0: I hope the month has been treating you well. I've received some super lovely feedback about the April Energy Impressions episode and how it really resonated with so many of you, and I really appreciate when you take the time to reach out, and I wanted to thank you on the podcast too, not just in a message back. And... Before I get into today's episode, I wanted to remind you to make sure you have signed up for my email list because very soon I will be announcing some exciting new ways for you to create a deeper connection and trust in your intuition and gain new levels of understanding around your brilliant, unique energy. So yes, please go to the show notes and you'll be able to see where you can click the link and subscribe to my newsletter. I cannot wait to tell you more about it soon. Not yet, but soon. And now I want to tell you about my guest today. My guest today is Emily Lynn Paulson. You may remember a few episodes back where I was speaking about MLMs, multi-level marketing, and how better to trust your intuition and kind of question the intention and motivations behind these kinds of businesses, especially if they're selling products or devices kind of geared towards spiritual wellness. And soon after that, after that episode, I found Emily's Instagram and I saw that she was coming out with a book. All about her experience as a top level network marketer, like AKA top of the MLM pyramid. And her book is about what happened when she awakened to the reality of what she was doing, what it really meant to be at the top of a pyramid in an MLM, and what happened when she started kind of listening to her intuition again. So I wanted to talk to her all about it. And I was incredibly happy and really grateful that she was able to come spend some time with me and be a guest on Intuitive Seek for all of us. She has given two powerful TEDx talks, both challenging the status quo of parenting, alcohol use, and feminism as we know it. She is also the founder of Sober Mom Squad, and you can follow her there, but mostly connect with her at Emily Lim Paulson on Instagram. Emily is the author of Highlight Real: Finding Honesty and Recovery Beyond the Filtered Life: a number one Amazon bestseller which I read in less than a day and highly recommend, and the forthcoming. Which is what we talk about today. Hey, hun, sales, sisterhood, supremacy, and the other lies behind multi level marketing, which comes out on May 30th and you can pre order now. All of her information will be in the show notes, so very easy to find there. And without further ado, please enjoy my intuitive chat with Emily Lynn Paulson. Welcome, Emily. I am, as you know, incredibly happy to have you. And I know that the listeners of Intuitive Seek are going to enjoy everything that you're able to share with us today. I recently found your Instagram page and your first book, Highlight Real, which I read literally in a day. Thank you. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> your life and journey is so inspiring and fascinating. And It was, for anyone, they should definitely read it. It is best-selling, for sure, because it is such a beautiful, and even though it's such a personal story, it resonates and is quite relatable to just the experience of being a woman and your story of trauma and addiction and recovery, among many other things. So in that book, I did find the way you spoke about your business as an incredible piece of your life in contrast to what you were experiencing personally. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I'm really curious about is what did your experience between finishing the first book, you know, really being quite vulnerable about your story coming when it ended, it seemed like you were in a really empowered place with your business, with your life. What happened in between where you received the inspiration to write your new book, which is Hey Hun, Sales, Sisterhood, Supremacy, and The Other Lies Behind Level Marketing, which comes out on May 30th, available for, for pre-order. I pre-ordered it already, so hope everybody else can too. But you know, what happened in between to kind of shift your perspective because it's quite a 180? Yeah. So
1: it's interesting that, you know, your podcast is in,
0: it about intuition because
1: I feel like one thing that I lacked or was squashed when I joined the MLM was my intuition. And that was because of alcohol and, you know, lots of other things escaping. Right. So when I wrote my first book from the time I started writing it until it was published, I was in a very different place with how I felt about my MLM. Mm. And at the end, and when my book came out, I was very much, I distanced myself quite a bit, but I still considered it a positive part of my experience. Like the people I met, the experience I had, the networking I did, the speaking I did. And I was still at that point, a little bit blind to the harms of it. Mm. So it, it was really that experience that took me into then 2020, the pandemic that that is when all of the predatory the predatory nature of MLMs was just personified, right? And I could sit back. I was in my house. I was no longer in these retention events and these, uh, you know, fancy clothes and you know selling this story that didn't exist. I could see it with more clear eyes. So, you know, the books, even though they overlap, my my journey through kind of getting out of this, which I consider now a commercial cult, um, was very much in that process of writing that book.
0: Yes. Oh, that makes a lot of sense too, because when I was reading, when I was reading Highlight Reel, I noticed no real mention of intuition or kind of connection really about um kind of the recovery of why am I numbing? Where is my addiction kind of coming from and leading me to and how to get back to myself. But then, when I read just an excerpt of your new book, intuition was right there. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense to me. and i I'm curious if you have a moment or you know, a few moments of when your intuition started to kind of spark or kind of percolate back up after being squashed. Is there a feeling that you received? Is there? Something that you just could not ignore, but maybe was specific to your experience on how you feel and connect to your intuition now? Yeah. So it
1: really was quitting drinking. That I realized all of a sudden I couldn't participate in some of these behaviors that I had been before. I couldn't send the cold messages. I couldn't do the copy and paste scripts on Facebook. I couldn't say the same things to people. I couldn't meet people for drinks and then get a little loopy and try and get them to sign up, right? And try and do these high pressure sales tactics. Um, Those things weren't available to me anymore. And yet at the same time, I was succeeding, you know, in terms of the the company in mlm terms succeeding in the sense that i was making money but i was only doing so because the people underneath me you know were not there were enough of them that i stayed at this kind of high level right the top of the pyramid right so there was still that cognitive dissonance there of okay i see like i can't do these things but gosh i'm still succeeding so i must kind of be doing things right and then i was being um you know, love bombed. And my story was really being shared of like this redemption story, right? Like, look, she got sober. Here's one of our, our consultants who look at this, you know, amazing story that she's got, what she's conquered. And so in that way, it sort of perpetuated that I, this is a place where I should be, right? This is a
0: good place for me to be. Wow. And that is really interesting too, that, because you are also a cancer survivor twice, mm-hmm. right? And which is incredible. I'm so glad that you were able to beat that. And the way that you describe the business now, it seemed like, or it sounds really like they, the company kind of took credit for all of your accomplishments, personal mm-hmm. and professional, but also who you were and what you've gone through to kind of, you know, in you, encouraged you to take advantage of the sad or uncomfortable or tragic things that have happened in your life, but they probably didn't think anything that you were doing wrong in your life that weren't working for you. They didn't take credit for that at all. Oh, no, no. That's very a
1: various symptom of, of the meritocracy of, of MLMs, where if you work hard, you will make it. And if you don't Make it, you must not have been working hard. It's this very black and white thing when it ignores every systemic reason why you might not be succeeding, or the saturation of the market, or when you get involved, or the, you know, how rich your network is, all of these other factors. And so it's very on brand to take anyone's success story as their success story and you never hear a failure story because they, nobody wants to hear those nobody wants to share those and even if it's as simple as you know i joined this company and i made a lot of new friends well look this company leads to new friends i joined this company and i made a few extra dollars well look this company leads to a few extra dollars they'll take any success story of any personal triumph or um you know really any rising from any tragedy and position it as the company was the reason or these these this caliber of people are in the company and, and join
0: it, right? It's a signal boost for the company. Right. And when you do kind of look back in hindsight as one of the top kind of leaders in the company that you were in, top of the pyramid, you know, recruiting, being the mentor, the one that everybody aspired to and looked up to they used your image and your story and really kind of used you as the advertising for how successful it could be. Yeah. Do you remember, and I'm, I'm just curious, were you ever squashing anyone else's intuitive response?
1: Oh, hundred percent. It's really built into the system of recruitment and you're from the outset, it's prompted like, you know, you're going to feel icky about this you know, I'm going to give you this cold message to send. You're going to feel, it's going to feel cringy, but that's just how you grow. So any uncomfortable feeling is preempted with, oh, well, she said this was going to be uncomfortable. So it's okay that this is uncomfortable. And it's, it's also, um, it's like analogies are made, right? Like this is just like training for a marathon or so you you kind of feel like, yep, this is what a marathon runner would do. It'd be really hard, but then you'd make it. And any little task, you know no matter how predatory it is it's hey this is going to feel this some sort of way but ignore that because this is how you have to feel to to grow and if you're not making money well you know you have to spend money to make money so there's a reason you're not making money yet so just stick it out a little bit longer or you know never quit before the miracle never all these kind of platitudes that Keep you sucked in. That's very built in. And so from the outset, no matter what you're doing, you are telling people to squash their intuition because every fact, every study, everything done on MLMs show that 99.7% of people lose money. Yes, you're selling the possibility that everyone can. And it's just not true.
0: Wow. Yeah, so important because right now and something that we spoke about a little bit when I was asking you to be on the podcast was what I've noticed because I have kind of a, a spiritual community, but I really, my aim is to bring it back to the person, the individual, the individual's experience to not kind of join a group or look at a guru that we are our own greatest teachers and with one thing that I'm really seeing a lot of for the last about probably year or so that there is this frequency device that many spirit like big spiritual influencers are sharing on their platforms and they're speaking to it as oh it's a way to you know change the wealth frequency and move into the new feminine paradigm and a lot of Kind of word salads being given, but with the promise of community, of finding yourself, of, you know, receiving and opening up your intuition and being more of yourself. Mm -hmm. If you have specific advice for someone who is coming from it, not even from kind of a health and beauty lens, but from a spiritual lens that they want to or are feeling recruited as a calling to start, you know, being on board in this. I've even heard people say that it's like a feminine structure, the pyramid, which is very disheartening. Yeah. So do you have any views on that? Because it is just kind of something that a lot of my listeners have been asking me about too. Yeah. There's a lot in the coaching space right now, like where if it's not measurable, question
1: it. Uh, you know, if there's not a metric behind it, if there's no way to do like a profit loss statement or, you know, you can't measure how spiritual you're going to be or how, you know what I mean? And, and, and what are, what are the success stories look like? And what are the credentials of the person asking you this? And I think just asking more questions. Yeah. Because it's where I get leery is when people say, you know, the solution is within you. The solution is totally within you because that may be true in some circumstances. Yeah. You need to like believe in yourself and all that stuff. But when you put, when you ask for money and then put the onus on someone else's shoulders, what happens when that doesn't work out? Well, you're off the hook.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's lovely to think, oh yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm in charge of my own destiny. Who doesn't want to believe that? So if you're, if you're given a coaching program where it's like, you're in charge, you're going to be the one. In charge of
0: how well you do, who doesn't want to believe that? Who doesn't want to believe that? That's kind of the perfect thing to always question. Where, why the why? Why are we wanting to? Why are we wanting to believe what they're offering? What's there? And do you consider yourself kind of a spiritual person? I know that you converted to Catholicism with your husband when you got married, but kind of moving into kind of this new phase of your life where your intuition isn't squashed anymore. What are your, if any kind of spiritual practices to keep you grounded and able to connect to your why and and question things?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I did, you know, I converted to Catholicism when my husband and I got married specifically because he wanted to get married in the church and, you know, which I explained in my book, had he been Protestant or, you know, whatever. I probably would have converted to that because it it was meaningful to him and it just wasn't particularly meaningful to me. Um, You know, and obviously this was like 20 years ago, but I I think I really didn't find my spiritual place until I went to AA. And, um, you know, my, the God of my understanding doesn't look like the God of some, you know, other people's understanding. I don't really um, necessarily follow any religious practice. Um, you know, our family goes to church on Christmas and Easter again, because it's meaningful to my husband. And I find a lot of peace and beauty in, uh, you know, in, in some church, in the tradition things. Yeah. And some traditions, right. Like the beauty of it and the music and, um, but being in a What I believe to be a commercial cult, having been in one, I also am very skeptical of anything now that promises to be your everything or seeks to uh, separate you if you don't want to believe in the full doctrine of what they're selling. Right? So, you know, a lot of organized religion falls into that. So, I'm a little leery of you know a lot of organized religion and um, you know any anything where this when you're seeking gives you the full answer nothing should give you the full answer, right so again I um you know I have a a gratitude practice I have uh you know a prayer ish practice you know to my uh the god of my understanding and uh so I consider myself you know a very spiritual person but not a particularly religious person
0: lovely thank you for sharing that I think a lot of uh, my listeners can relate to that as well and yeah, I really agree with what you what you said I'm a- curious, what kind of surprised you in sharing so deeply and more vulnerably about the MLM industry, this one that you were at the top of top of the hill, top of the pyramid, top ranking, really receiving so much from it as, you know, a quote-unquote kind of boss babe. What surprised you after you wrote the book, once you kind of Mm -hmm. not assuming, but I'm curious if while you wrote it, you realized more and more, was it kind of a way for you to uncover even more that you weren't even realizing that you were taking part in and that you were kind of swept up in? How did that unfold? Yeah. I mean, when I started writing the book, I really thought, you know, this will
1: be a great story. And there's some things I think people should know, right? as I started doing research, as I worked with my publisher, there became, there was so much more that I realized I had to uncover. And just as an example, my, when I wrote my book proposal, I wrote it for a 30,000 word book and my book's over a hundred thousand words. So I had a lot more that I found than just my personal story, because again, having, being like a memoir writer, my personal story, I felt like was, was enough But the facts, just as I started uncovering them and I started doing research and interviewing hundreds of women who had left the MLM industry, I was like, wow, this really is an industry-wide thing. This really isn't just me. Um, And there's a lot of systemic stuff here, which is why supremacy is in the title, which rubs a lot of people the wrong way because I'm a white woman, right? But I think it's just the sea we're swimming in. And it's something that I you know I didn't necessarily want to talk about but I had to talk about
0: yeah and very brave of you too in a way of putting yourself in that vulnerable position of using kind of the buzzword triggering yeah some other women to have to look at themselves and that leads me into the piece of your book that I am really curious about is the speaking to the white supremacy woven into it can you kind of offer us a little bit of that view and lens that you uncovered and found i think the phrase white supremacy is something that people they like ooh like i don't want to
1: that if i say it if i talk about it it means i'm complicit in it and the fact is we all are mm. we again it's the sea we're swimming in we were born into a white supremacist culture a, a structure that was built on the fact that white people are the, the leaders, they're the people who are the desired, you know, archetype, right? That's what we're built on. Like whether you like it or not, that's the sea you're swimming in. And so recognizing it and then recognizing how am I upholding that? And MLMs are the perfect example because all you have to do is look at you know Facebook posts of people on these fancy trips. There's not a lot of color there, right? They, I mean, it's just personified in an MLM where they're all white people at the top. When you look at the um, corporate organization, the people who are the CEOs, the VPs, the they're all white people, mostly white men. Okay, and so at the heart of it, these are structures that are built around amplifying white people, not marginalized people, right? Not black women, not, and in a way, and this is probably like, this is kind of a mind bending thing to get around, but in, in some ways, MLMs themselves are so, uh, their, their structure and the way, uh, that people go around recruiting and the way I went around recruiting is so inherently Racist that a lot of people who are, you know, live in larger bodies, people who are black and brown, um, people in you know marginalized identities are spared in a big way, and so that's how it's like they're so racist that people of other races are spared. Like, I, I there's no really easy way to say that, but because they are really built. To amplify white people and amplify whiteness. Wow! And it's 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 also built into the structure that you know it's pay to play. So you have to have financial wealth to begin with. Um, you have to have some sort of a you have to have a cell phone, right? Like you have to have an internet connection. You have to have all these things that there's just some people who don't have them. Just so to sell them as these meritocracy, you can do it if you want to. It's just not true. No, um, not everyone has a network of people who can buy these expensive products not everyone has a network that can join these things and has a second income in the house so they are and they really they're like a funhouse mirror of of capitalism you know it's like the worst manifestation of all of these things
0: wow and such an interesting view because if they if you don't fit into the cookie cutter at least you don't Get put in the oven it's like, I mean, at least you got spared <laughs> right right yeah that's a good that's a good analogy yeah and yes really amplifying yeah and of course all of the sexism too and the misogyny
1: yes and they're they're on that note like they're promoted as these feminists like be a boss babe all of the infantilizing females speak the they be a CEO all of that stuff that you never hear of men, like a, be a CEO or like, what, like a boss boy or (laughs) nothing that doesn't happen. Um, when at the heart of it, it's women competing against each other. It's women trying to make these white men money. It's, uh, not empowering. It's very disempowering. You know, women aren't given like an actual salary with benefits or anything like that. It's just, uh, throwing like Breadcrumbs out there for people to it's just it's hope it it preys on this hope, right
0: yeah, praise on the hope and praise on disempowerment it sounds like yeah, wow, and you are quite busy you have five children, you are a best-selling author, you run a sober Mom squad, you do a lot yeah, and I was curious because a lot of my listeners they even have a hard time carving out space for themselves to be able to kind of listen in and check in with their heart and their intuition and to kind of discover if maybe they want to write a book or if there's something that they want to create so do you have any kind of yeah we'll use a little corporate speak any best practices on how you carve out that time like what you can offer well the first thing I'll say is my kids are older
1: and that helps a lot. Like I couldn't have done this when they were younger. They're all in school. Um, you know, two of my kids drive, you know, one's going to college next year. My youngest is in fifth grade. Like they're very um, self-sufficient. So I can, you know, they're at school right now, but I can go in my office if they're here and I can close the door and say, I'll be out in an hour. Right. So I have that privilege of having the time. I also have a spouse who has is full-time employee. He makes enough money to sustain us as a family so I have the privilege of that as well. Um and so I can take time to write when I'm maybe not getting paid for it, right? Or after my advance runs out or so I have the privilege of being able to do that. So first of all my 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 first best practice would be never judge your story with somebody else's mm-hmm. because the, you know, nobody has the same 24 hours in a day and nobody, you know, has the same set of circumstances. And, um, it does get easier as your kids get older, you know, bigger kids, bigger problems. But as far as like the day-to-day being able to sleep and get meals for yourself and all of, and taking care of yourself, self-care, that big buzzword, um, yeah. it is more possible as they get older. So, I don't know if those are best practices as much as just like giving you hope that, you know, there, there are ways and also not, um, to dismiss the power of a very small amount of time. Um, when I wrote my first book, it really was 15 minutes of writing at a time Wow! that I would just say, I'm going to sit down for 15 minutes today and write. And sometimes I'd end up writing longer and I'd have more time and I'd write for hours. Sometimes it was just that 15 minutes. Um, so if, you know, if something is meaningful to you and is something, even if it's just a hobby and it makes you feel good, like, um, you know, give
0: yourself a little bit of time to, to do that. Oh, beautiful advice. I think that's really important and really important for people to hear as well, to not compare that everybody does have a different 24 hours and wow. Yeah. Just very inspiring and the integrity of uh, your words and how I've heard you speak before, too, about kind of everything that you work on, especially in your recovery as well. Um, uh, I also don't drink and haven't since, um, COVID. Actually, I did the opposite. I stopped drinking and started working out when COVID happened. <laughs> and it, the clarity that came from it. And yeah, it just, um, reading your book really solidified that for me. So thank you. Aww. Thank you. And that is why I am so, so grateful to have you have some of your time and give it to us at Intuitive Seek here today. So yeah, thank you so much for being here. Again, your book comes out on May 30th, but please go and pre-order it wherever you get your books. Hey, hun, Sales, Sisterhood, Supremacy, and Other Lies Behind multi-level Marketing. I love it. So oh, good well thank you so much emily so great to talk to you thank you mary yeah it's great talking to you i want to thank you for listening to this episode of intuitive seek if you have any thoughts or questions send me a message you can send me a message through my website TreenLight.com, or through my instagram which i did change to my business name so now it is Healing. T-R-E-E-N-L-I-G-H-T dot H-E-A-L-I-N-G. Of course, all of the links are in the show notes. So just scroll down from where you're listening and you can click on there. And if you're curious about working with me, I always offer a free clarity session to chat. It's a great consultation to just kind of look into your needs and see if my work can support you and if we would be a good fit. You can also go to my website, and if you are wanting to start your own podcast, you can book your intuitive podcasting support session there. And wherever you follow and get your podcasts, if you feel called, I would be so grateful if you gave some support there. You could leave a review or share this episode with a friend. That would be amazing. So thank you so much again. Be kind to yourself and I'll talk to you soon.